flourishing families with Dr. Daughter Blatt, the switched-on kids chiropractor, and her passionate friends, sharing the secrets of inspiring wellness to help your families thrive. Good morning. I'm really happy to have Kelly Bingland here with me uh, to do a podcast this morning. Thanks Thank for coming. You. Thank you for having me, Dora. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Uh, Kelly, tell us who you are. Uh, I'm a chiropractor. Uh, I've had the um, utmost honour and privilege to be adjusted since I was an infant. My mum took us from a very young age, so I became a chiropractor seven years ago, and I now work at Family Cairo in Charlestown. Uh, I have a special interest in seeing kids' families, young babies, pregnant women, so that's exciting for us. Um, I trained in Gippsland as well uh, after I first graduated from RMIT, so I'm a Victorian. And uh, grew my practice there, and now I'm in sunny Newcastle. <laughs> sunny Newcastle, yeah. except for today when it's not very sunny. That's a disgusting forty degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us, you you have a, a particular interest in um, something called sympathetic dominance. What exactly does that mean? Sure. Yeah, I do. Um, We've decided to start to look at the nervous system in a very functional way, in a holistic way. Um, as a chiropractor yourself, you would have seen a lot of um, signs of sympathetic dominance, but a lot of people hadn't really connected the ideas. So we started to connect a few ideas on how stress physiology starts to change our nervous system and our um, bodies over time. Um, not just the, the classic stress signs of, you know, I don't sleep or I get tight shoulders, but um, neurophysiological changes, meaning that's a big word and I'll explain it in a more in a minute, but what can happen to our gut system, what can happen to our hormonal system and how that can affect our um, bodies as a whole. So, yeah, it was very interesting work and I've thoroughly enjoyed doing that the last five years. Yeah, and you started that uh, from working with Wayne Todd. Yes, I had the... Uh, I had the very um, great opportunity to do my first placement with Wayne and Angela Todd in Gippsland with Todd Clinics, and I grew my knowledge base and um, how I became the practitioner I am now. And Wayne put together what we call SD protocol. Um, so, what what exactly what exactly does it mean? The sympathetic sure. dominance. Uh, sympathetic dominance refers to how our nervous system functions. Starts to look at our voluntary versus involuntary systems. Uh, we put involuntary aside for a second. Let's just talk about our involuntary cycles. That separates into another two arms: um, being sympathetic and parasympathetic. So if we think about our parasympathetic, a lot of people think of that as a rest and digest part of our nervous system. So this part of our nervous system does most of its work while we're actually asleep and, and in our healing phases um, and when we're more resting, okay? So when we're not in an aggravated or what we call fight or flight part of our nervous system. So parasympathetic functions mainly on our digestion and our hormonal system with um, impacts on our immune system as well. So when our, let's go to the other side of the system, that involuntary pathways, we look at the sympathetic nervous system and S for survival, fight or flight. A lot of people have heard of that part of our nervous system. So if we imagine now daughter and I are sitting in this room, uh, a tiger came into the room, we think of what our nervous system would do to react to that type of um Uh, situation. So our breath rate goes up, our heart rate goes up, our sweat response increases, our eyes become dilated so we can see more, our um, blood pressure goes through the roof and we start to get a forward posture, um, our shoulders tighten up, our hamstrings get tighter, our cars get tighter, we get ready to run away. Run away, we're getting ready to 
fight. To, yeah, fight. Yeah, I'm yeah, we're not going to fight the tiger. But, <laughs> but, but we are getting ready to move. It's a movement preparation, basically. Yes, it's a stress response in a stress response in movement. Yes, one hundred percent. The big thing that we started to look at was this system um, evolutionary, but this is the system that got us here today. Okay, so we wouldn't be here without that sympathetic nervous system thousands of years ago. Um, it made us fight or flight away from the dinosaur or the tiger or whatever it was back then um, to get us here and evolve to where we are now. So this part of our nervous system actually suppresses when this one's heightened the parasympathetic function. So that's when we start to see those changes in those physiological like gut hormones that I mentioned before. The interesting thing with that um, sympathetic overdrive is it's not meant to, or it's not designed to be activated any longer than hours, maximum days. So unfortunately, you think of a young family that might have financial stresses, work stresses, getting kids to school, what are we having for dinner tomorrow? Um, What are we doing on the weekend? When are we planning our next holiday? That potentially say young mum, I'm just going to pick on mum for a second there because they seem to run those type of households. Um, that young mum is most likely in a state of fight or flight or sympathetic overdrive for a lot longer than what we're actually designed to do. So really evolutionary, we're supposed to fight the tiger or flee the tiger and then find a place to shelter and have our parasympathetic nervous system take over and make sure that we heal and we digest our food. Yeah, it's a. I think of it as a dance, okay? Yeah. So um, this is how I was taught, and I think it's a great analogy, that if we think we dance between our sympathetic and our parasympathetic nervous system, that's when we achieve balance in our lives. So it's about getting one heightened and then the other one just picking up the slack and they dance between each other, much like kids on a seesaw, okay? Yeah. But when you have a kid that's too heavy on one side... The other one's pulled up to the other side, and that's when you start to get those magic So balances. being in the sympathetic state is not necessarily a bad thing. We need it. We do. 100% we need it, yeah. just not for the sustained state that we unfortunately see um, a little bit more often than we should. Okay, so we have this fat, sympathetic kid sitting on the end, <laughs> and the seesaw is stuck. Yes. Yeah, so what, what does that, you say, what does that look like? You mentioned the shoulders, you mentioned the heart rate and blood mm-hmm. pressure going up. Mm-hmm. What 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 would people experience if they were in that state? Sure, sure. Um, there's a couple of key uh, indicators that we often see with patients that could be experiencing an overdrive in their sympathetic nervous system for a long period of time. Um, some of it can be digestive in regards to they might get bloating, they might get butterflies excessively, they might find they're getting uh, intolerant to certain foods that they could have tolerated five, ten, even two years ago. Um, they're constipated, diarrhea, those types of things. Um, unfortunately. Fortunately, daughter and I are in a bad category. We are, it affects women a lot more, sympathetic dominance. We do find just because we have a lot more fluctuation through our hormones. And I do find that um, women are a bit bigger thinkers than men as well. So we are, yes, yeah. <laughs> we do kick into our sympathetic nervous system a little bit more than men. Um, but not to mention that like sympathetic dominance does affect men. We just see it more in females, as I said, for that hormonal link. Um, uh, can you just hold that thought? I'm really interested in that, um, is it if you have the physiological response, let's just say it's exercise, and men tend to do more uh, heavy, pushy type exercise, whereas we women might do more long, and we might go for a walk or mm-hmm. you know ride the bike with the kids or whatever. Uh, is there a um, like helpful exercise in that they burn their adrenaline, burn their stress response through much more? 
got sit type exercise do you see what i'm trying to say yeah i do like your um men if they're doing those manly like yeah let's go push things and lift things as opposed to doing that calming yeah Yeah. look i think that's definitely part of it um testosterone driven exercise i think a lot of that is um again comes back to that hormonal link and i think instinctively um women don't mind doing those exercises that are a little bit calmer and a little bit more settling because that is essentially what our nervous system does require yeah um i'm not saying weights and everything like that are bad because it's definitely good to be strong but i I do find that women do do well when they've got that nice balance between a calming exercise uh with their lifestyle yeah um so just go back to what you said before um we could see hormone imbalances as well um i often see patients that have had retained sympathetic dominance for a long time that may have um, things that are very common in today's society like um, menstrual issues uh picos thyroid issues as well just stop there what's picos oh sorry daughter uh polycystic ovarian syndrome we do see quite often now um we are seeing quite often now um, infertility is becoming a big issue in our society and i'll explain a concept really quickly um, right now that if we think of it if we're being chased by that tiger or that bear you're not going to want to digest your sandwich that you ate for lunch so you're not essentially that's not a priority your fight or flight is your priority and go to the hormonal system of that parasympathetic function like we discussed before you're not going to want to ovulate so you're not going to want to release your egg so you can reproduce if your body is in threat mode no okay that makes sense Mm. So that's where the hormonal or the holistic look at how the nervous system is actually affecting these pathways um, sort of comes into it. Uh, Physically, we can definitely see a lot of physical signs when we're looking at a patient um, with sympathetic overdrive. So tight shoulders, I mentioned before, they might have a um, significant forward head posture. Uh, forward head posture can be defined by looking at the patient or looking at the individual from the side and looking at their ear to their shoulder. They should be in a nice line when they're standing up straight and we often see the ear coming forward. Um, every centimetre comes forward, it puts significant load on the neck and starts to change our rib function so we don't end up oxygenating very well. Um, oxygenation is really, really important for um, higher brain function as well. And when we breathe, so if we did some breathing exercises now, I could guarantee daughter and I would feel really calm and collected because our brain is receiving that oxygen it requires so if you're constantly not oxygenating and you're locked into that forward posture you'll often get other physical effects of your below your waist you'll tighten up your hamstrings and your calves Um, low back or low back issues is very common in patients with that forward head posture driven by that uh, sympathetic overdrive as well if you had a look at um, your lovely wife's eyes if there's some guys out there um, you might see their eyes dilated quite a lot the pupils um, because basically they're dilating so they can see where that tiger is in the grass okay so waiting for that rustling tiger to come through they can see more so they might not love bright lights so driving at night can become an issue okay they don't like that headlight coming onto them they need their polarized sunnies when they're outside they can't handle the brightness on their phone up too high they can't handle the blinds being open when they're sleeping at night they can't have the alarm clock light that sensitivity to light is usually very prominent. Right. And is that sensitivity related to headaches? Can be. Yeah. Can be, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I find it interesting uh, you're talking about the forward head posture because we spend a lot of time uh, talking to, to the kids and the, the parents in the practice about their screen time. Does it go the other way? Can we induce the sympathetic dominance by, by spending too much time with our head bent? 
I would 100% agree with you, Donna. Um, I think of it as a highway. Okay, so I think of it as a two-lane highway. So we've got our highway going to Sydney and then we've got our highway going away from Sydney. So if we are inducing a full posture by ergonomic activities such as screen time uh, for kids, uh, but also you know adults that work on computers, okay? So to me, that physical posture is telling that brain, I am ready to run away. I am getting ready to fight or flight. My body is priming and you are telling your brain, quick, let's go. Yeah. Okay. Um, but vice versa, if you have the emotional part of sympathetic dominance, so just say um, there's a lot of stress for children at school, they're going to be pushing themselves into that sympathetic wind-up. So neurologically, their brain is telling them to be in that full posture. Yeah. So we have to work at it from both ends of the highway to get the best result for our patients. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned exercise, and, and I, I like exercise, so um, I'm interested to hear... Um, there's a big trend today with a certain body image, mm-hmm. uh, big shoulders, big chest muscles, uh, maybe not so much working on the, the legs, mm-hmm. uh, people exercising the front of the body that would naturally pull the shoulders forward. What effect does that potentially have given again we're talking that forward head posture? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, the trend that we're seeing is actually quite concerning because it is very pec driven um but it's not only exercise but then our social life is driving that um pec change as well like with the increased phone usage and looking down and texting on the train or texting in the car or or watching tv or whatever that may be but going back to your exercise point yeah a lot of pec driven exercises aren't actually beneficial to uh, i think any patient all the time um, but also particularly to patients that are suffering that sympathetic overdrive um, and a lot of these patients um, also experience some emotional aspects of the of sympathetic overdrive um, stress is a big part which you've probably already picked up that it's massive um, but that's linking in with anxiety so if every cell in your body is primed and ready to run away from that tiger it's going to be ready waiting for attack waiting for attack waiting for attack waiting for attack and then it doesn't get attacked, then you're going to feel anxious all the time waiting for that response. And the average patient is going to feel, if that is retained, that response, they're going to feel depressed about being anxious. So it's it's really that link in. But then you find a lot of people that use exercise as they're out from that that way of thinking. Um, But if they're doing the wrong exercises, so pec-driven exercises, exercises that are winding up their low back or winding up their hamstrings or winding up those calves, they're often doing themselves more detriment than what they could be doing. Like they feel better at the time, but more long-term for their healing in their body, they're not doing themselves any favours. So as again, coming back to the nervous system, it's not necessarily the muscles, but the way we affect the way the brain works. 100%. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so we've spoken a fair bit. We're pushing the, the mothers. <laughs> That's not very good. Let's look at the kids. What would it look like in a child? Sure. Um, I think in my experience, we are seeing um, sympathetic overactivity in children a little bit more these days. Uh, daughters already linked into a bit of screen times increase these days and how that's affecting our children's brains. Um, what I find in kids that might have a bit of an increased sympathetic system, the big one is sleep, to be honest. Um, so many kids are struggling with um, getting good night's sleep, and I don't think that's necessarily the parent's fault. It's just about how our, um, I suppose, our spare time or our leisure time has started to change over the last 10 years. Um, TV and screens and homework on iPads and computers are becoming the norm for our kids. 
So what that's doing to our brains are it's keeping them up, keeping them awake or keeping them going. Um, so that that brain is thinking it's daytime a lot of the time. So you've got that hormonal effect that you don't secrete melatonin at the right time, so that keeps you awake. Um, but at the same time, that brain is becoming sensitive and wound up to maybe that light stimulus of whatever screen they're looking at before mm. they go to bed, and they're not really kicking into that parasympathetic um, balance and dance that oh, I indicated best before. Relaxed to digest. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 100%. Um, so, so sleep is the main one, I do find. Uh, they, some younger children might not like being in the car with the flicker of the lights. Like light sensitivity can really shine through there. Um, they just can't concentrate in a brighter environment. I find that might not work for them. Um, we do, I do use some what we call red lenses. I won't go into right now. Just change the light from a blue light to a red light so the brain can calm down. Which is a, a slower wavelength, a slower so less wavelength. stress, yeah. Yeah, very calming to the brain. A red light is as opposed to the blue. Uh, that works quite well for some kids and adults or anyone um, looking to calm their sympathetic system through that light factor. Um, I often use earplugs with kids. So you might find a lot of kids with sympathetic um, sympathetic dominance can exhibit uh, symptoms of some sensory processing issues as well so visually and auditory are the main ones we look at but they might be oversensitive to those auditory symptoms as well um, I find if we work on calming that primitive sympathetic response their sensory processing stuff um, does improve which is great uh, behavior wise they might just be a little bit quick off the mark with uh, <laughs> with getting a bit agitated <laughs> that's a nice way to put it yeah <laughs> Um, so whether, you know, they used to be able to tolerate their sister pinching them down and they can only tolerate them looking at them and they, they lose the plot sort of thing or, or they start to get a bit more angry than they used to and things like that. So, um, but for posture is very prominent as well in children. I think it's something that we really do need to be aware of. Um, so they're classic signs really. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you would advise parents or people to maybe do at home that could settle down that sympathetic hyperactivity and, and get a bit more parasympathetic um, response in their lives? Yeah, sure. The way I look at this, um, this is a common question that we get, obviously, you know, once we diagnose or talk about um, what could be going on in someone's system is we start to talk about what to do about it. And I look at that in the, uh, the health triangle is a really good way to explain it. So you've got physical, uh, chemical and emotional health most people have heard of that expression that if we don't hit each part of those um, paradigms, we don't reduce the overall stress in the body as well as we possibly could. So physically, we start to look at uh, posture. That's really important. Uh, we start to change how someone stands in gravity and increase their oxygen. Oxygen is so important because we talked about cells before. Every cell in the body requires certain things, but neuronal cells to start to change our nervous system uh, require three things, nutrition, oxygen, oxygenation, um, and activation. So activation um, being movement, mm. um, movement being exercise like daughter's already indicated, yeah. um, movement as well, um, movement directly into the body could be chiropractic work as well, works really, really well to give that movement and activation. Um, can Nutritional is what you guys feed brains at home, What you, good diet, nutrition, things like that, and then the oxygen, you start to change how that works. 
then we start to look at start to look at chemical um, chemical impacts or chemical stresses on the body that's pushing them into sympathetic overdrive. If there is a gut issue there, uh, the gut has been affected. We need to start doing work with the gut system. We'll start to look at what could be pushing that system into a bit of stress. Won't go into that now. That's quite detailed on its own, but that's mm. important to look at as well. Um, then you're looking at the emotional part. So meditation is really good. Um, anyone should be doing some sort of mindfulness or meditation to, to get them out of that space that says go, go, go all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, go, go, go is just not healthy and that's what's retaining, as I said to you before, the system isn't made to be for days, um, like weeks, years. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. only meant to be hours maximum days. Yeah. So it, it's just about getting us out of those those twitches. Um, when we start to look at the nervous system um, as where this sympathetic system sits in the brain uh, it actually sits in the what we call the mesencephalon it's a very complex name and you don't have to remember it but there's certain nuclei which respond to different stimulus at different times so i've already spoken about them so if you're really familiar with it already one being sound that hypersensitivity to sound comes into play one being uh light the light coming into play, one being posture, that coming into play as well, and the other being stress-linked and mind-linked with the adrenal glands. So to get the best outcome for my patients, I find if I address each one of those factors mm. within that physical, chemical, and emotional triangle, so I've sort of got two ways to look at it there, um, I get the best result for them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I will often mention to to children, and it's it's really difficult. In, uh, you know, they they tend to go a million miles an hour, and the last thing they want to do is to meditate. Uh, but there is a free app called uh, Smiling Minds. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, quite. Uh, manageable and not too long and easy to understand. Are you using that as well? Yeah, I use that very often, actually. Um, it's a great app. It's really, really good. That with Headspace, I think some adults like Headspace yes. as well. Um, but Smiling Mind is my classic go-to for children. Uh, there's a lot of great teachers out there now using it in classrooms, yeah. which is awesome. It as is, an isn't it? After lunchtime, yeah. Calm uh, them down. Calm them down, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, funnily enough, when they're calm, they learn better, <laughs> which is great. Um, so... I encourage parents that if they've been out for a busy day, often as soon as they get in from um, wherever they've been, so whether it be school or they've had after-school activities and then they've come home, um, usually dinner is on the uh, next step or, or homework. So I, either way, I usually say just do this for five to ten minutes. There's set programs. You download the program according to the age of the child. So if you've got a four-year-old or a 12-year-old, um, you'll just set it up in such a way that it's good for them. I get them to lie on the floor in an open T position because that's very oxygenating for them. Yeah. Um, if they've got some postural issues, I might get them to lie on a rolled up towel as well just to help open up that chest like what we spoke about before. Um, but that is perfect to wind down a sympathetic system. That's great. And, of course, that's not just for kids. That would also be for, well, mum and dad. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Family meditation. I'm all for it. Ah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine where the kids will be. Not on that um, posture roll. They will be on your chest. Yes. They'll be rolling over you. Yes. Yes. I will remember. I had a patient send me a um, screenshot or a photo of her whole family lying on their landroom floor. So it does happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Following your advice, I like that. <laughs> Uh, so tell us what what um, what what is uh, next in in line for for you for the the foreseeable future. 
Uh, I'm about to make home uh, Newcastle my home for um, the next foreseeable future, so which is really exciting. Um, working at Family Cairo, I get to incorporate sympathetic dominance work within this already um, elaborate practice. Um, to me, it's very different. It's very innovative, and it really does demonstrate how we can look at the utmost primitive cause for a lot of what can lead on to be chronic health conditions. And if we can get in to start to change people's health outcomes at the earliest stage in the health timeline as possible, uh, I think we've got a great future as in natural healthcare. But um, I just get excited that I get to change lives every day. Excellent. Thanks so much for spending your time with us this morning, Kelly. I appreciate your time and we look forward to spending much more time with you. Thank you for having me. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Family Chiropractic or the host. Brought to you by Family Chiropractic Centre, Charlestown. Serving the families in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie and Charlestown.